Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Hallelujah. He is good and his mercy endures for how long? Say it again. Forever. Aren't you thankful? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, uh, last week we talked about the love of God. Amen. How, la- how many of you been applying the- that love all week long? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we uh, actually read out of James chapter 2, right? Well, we read out of a lot, but I'm trying to find my scripture from last week. Uh, But the main text that we started with was James chapter 2, verse 8. And it said this, if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself and you do well. Amen. The royal law, which actually means the law of the kingdom, the kingdom law. It's royal. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we're royalty. Amen. Amen. We're royalty. And so we started out of that text and... um, looked at so many scriptures concerning the love of God and how the love of God was always connected to one another because his love was not just about us, but in every context of every scripture that we talked about last week, it always made reference to his love and loving one another. Amen. And, uh, and so I feel that that's very important that we recognize that this love that we have was not just for us or about us only. It was also about us making sure that we're demonstrating his love to others. Amen. And especially to brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And so it's very important. You know, I said last week, I said I cracked myself up. When I get up here and minister, you know, pastor, he's sanguine. He's always fun and exciting and has all these wonderful stories. But uh, really, when I get up to minister, like the Holy Ghost just brings to my remembrance things that I have not thought about in all my life. Like, you know. So uh, that's why I say I crack myself up because I'm like, oh, yeah, that did happen. (laughs) You know, because it's just so funny how he will bring up scenarios or situations in my life that I never really even thought about. And, you know, getting into fights you never want to think about again the rest of your life, you know. So anyway, he's good and he'll use whatever he needs to demonstrate, right, or to communicate Uh, things. And so anyway, um, so we'll see what he has to say tonight. (laughs) It's like, what's going to pop out tonight, right? Hallelujah. But uh, so I do want to finish in uh, going in the vein of love and talking about the love of God because we made it so, um, so real last week concerning us and the love that we have and that we should have for one another. And so 
you know, the question is, well, how then do we um, love one another? How do we? What does Scripture say in how we are to demonstrate this love to others and to other believers? You know, the Scripture tells us what we ought to do and how we ought to do it, right? So there's nothing, no scenario, no circumstance, anything from from the beginning of time until we're all, this thing is all over in eternity that there is not an answer for in scripture. If he tells us that we are to do something and we recognize that he commanded us to love, that it wasn't a choice and it's not an option, then he's going to let us know through scripture how we can actually apply this to our everyday life, right? how we can actually walk uh, this love out every day in our life, right, according to Scripture. And I want to say this, uh, as we said last week, as a reminder, that the love of God that we're talking about is agape. This is the Greek word agape love. And we talked about the fact that we would not ever be able to walk out the God kind of love without him in our lives, right? Because once we get born again, the love of God, Romans 5, 5 says, has been now poured out in our hearts or shed abroad in our hearts. And I like to call that the first fruit that showed up in your life is love, right? The first fruit, right, is love. And so we, we talked about Galatians 5 last week at the end of the message concerning the fruits of the Spirit. And love was the first one he mentions. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? Self-control. Uh, all of these things are then now fruits in our life that we have the responsibility to keep growing and producing in our life. I love what um, Brother Hagen said, love is always the way to victory. Love is always the way to victory. And, uh, you know, Galatians also said that faith worketh by love. So if we are not motivated by the love of God in all that we do, then guess what's going to be hindered? Our faith. So we know 1 Corinthians 13 says, you know, uh, you can have uh, faith to move mountains, but not... And we'll read that in a little bit. So... We have to recognize that our love walk, and this is why Brother Hagin says that, is it's the way to victory because outside of the love of God, nothing else is going to work to its fullness or operate in the kingdom properly in our lives. So we can come to church until, you know, kingdom come uh, all day long. Come to church, go through the motions, but if we have a problem with love, then nothing's going to work in our life. And so we said this too, that pastor's book on the forest and the way he demonstrates uh, the kingdom of God is that the forest bed is nothing but love. So every subject that we teach on on the kingdom of God is growing up out of 
uh, love in the kingdom, right? Everything. So healing, it's going to operate through love. Faith, it's going to operate through love. Confession, it's going to operate. Anything that God's promise says that we can obtain in this life as a believer, it's all going to be obtained, making sure that the motivation and the core and the root of everything that's going on is motivated by love, right? It's the root of love, okay? And it's so important that we recognize that because love has to be the driving force, we said this, in all that we do. Why do we serve God? Because we love him. He loved us, but now that he loved us, we love him. So this is why we serve, right? You know, you might question whether or not you truly love him if you don't even serve him in any capacity. Right? So it's very important that we look at these things and, uh, you know, examine our hearts because, you know, to see all that God wants to do in our lives, we're, and even as the day draws near and all the things that we see going on in the world, we are going to have to take a position of love. Period. We're going to have to take a position of love. Okay? Meaning, everything that we say, everything that we do, we need to ask ourselves, what is motivating the words that are coming out of my mouth. What is motivating the action that's getting ready to happen in my life? Okay? First Corinthians, I want to start here. First Corinthians. So the first point that I want to recognize is that, again, love must be the motive in everything that we do in the kingdom. So First Corinthians 16, 14 says this, let everything you do be done in love. This wasn't my opinion. <laughs> Scripture literally says it. Let everything you do. Is that just everything you do when you come through the church building? No. no, everything you do. Everything you do in every sphere that you are a participant in. If you're uh, married, if you're single, if you go to work, if you are a student in school, right? If you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, if you're whatever you do, let everything you do be done in love. The Amplified says this true love to God and man as inspired by God's love, right? For us. So, what's your motivation? And what's your inspiration and why you do what you do every day in whatever you're doing? Whatever you're doing, okay? Colossians 3, uh, 17 says this, And whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed. So he's letting us know now the word that's coming out of our mouth and the deeds that we are doing do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in dependence upon his person, giving praise to God the Father through him. Amen. 
So in whatever we do, in word and deed, we are to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. As again, I said, we cannot love the way God loves separated from his love. We can't do it. We can't love properly. So we must know his love, understand his love. And the way we do that is to, we talked about last week, we must be people that meditate in his word, abide in his word, right? Outside of it, we're not going to do anything. We're going to listen to the world's opinions about how we ought to love somebody or whatever the case may be, okay? Well, if you haven't recognized by now, the world has no clue. <laughs> Come on. It does not take a, you know, scholar, rockered science, thank you, to recognize the world has no clue how to love, okay, or what love is. And so we cannot take our cues from anything they say, Okay. 1 Peter 1.22 says this, Since by your obedience to the truth through the Holy Spirit you have purified your hearts for the sincere affection of the brethren, see that you love one another fervently. Here it is. Here's again motive from a pure heart. From a pure heart. So again, we must recognize that uh, if we are going to apply the love of God, the way that he desires for us to do it, then that has to be with a purity of heart concerning his love, right? And that has to be the motive. And everything that we are doing throughout the day and throughout the week, throughout every, the rest of the day of your life, right? A pure heart. What does that mean? A pure heart means there's no selfish motive in it. His heart has no selfishness in it, no manipulation in it, no control in it. Come on, no selfishness, no manipulation, no, you know, controlling spirit. No, it's pure. It's pure. And the only way we're going to see the purity of love is if we abide in his love. Right and recognize how his love functions and operates. Okay, Colossians three twelve uh, through fourteen. I want to say this: God is not going to help you love somebody. He's not going to help you. You know, so don't pray. Oh, please help me love this person. I mean, he's not going to help you. Why do I say that? Because he's already put the helper on the inside. He's already put help in you. He's already put love in you. And now Colossians lets us know uh, in chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, that we have to do something. He says, now clothe yourself. Put your glove clothes on. At one translation says, put it on. This one says, clothe yourself. Put your love jacket on. Right? Put your love clothes on. I like to say, pull up your big boy pants or big girl pants. 
because remember, we talked about last week that walking in his love will have to do with someone who has been perfected or maturing. Maturing in the love of God, allowing the fruit of love to constantly be growing within your life. We should be able to love people more today than we ever loved them. Come on, today. My word, if we could just get love right, what we could be doing. Instead of sitting in church for 10 years and you still, you know, would just, you know, slander somebody, gossip about somebody, want to slap somebody's face, want to talk about people. What have we been doing? You know, when we went to Bible school, one of our instructors, I believe it was Doug Jones, he let us know uh, that really a person who gets born again, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and has set up underneath the undefiled preaching of God's Word, ought to have grown and matured in three to five years. In three to five years, yet we've got people that's been here with us over 10, 15 years and still acting a fool. Yeah. Right? What is this saying? You have not applied the principles You've not abided in his word. You've not allowed forgiveness to be a part of your life every day. You've not done the word. You've heard what you need to do. And maybe you do a little sprinkle of it. Listen, this is full immersion. This is not a Catholic church. We don't sprinkle anything around here. We fully immerse you in the power of the living God. To be able to grow up. And to be able to mature in the things of God. To be able to walk in victory. Come on. Every day, every season, anything that comes up, you're able to walk in love. You're able to apply it to your life. Hallelujah. Wow. Glory to God. So he says, you better put your love clothes on. We don't have the option to not walk in love. Not act like you're walking in love, but to actually walk in love. Not act like it. Not fake it. No, actually do it, right? So he says, clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself by putting on behavior marked by a tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourself, gentle ways and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with a good temper be gentle and forbearing with one another and if 
And if one has a difference, a grievance, a complaint against another, readily pardoning each other. Pardon one another. Even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. And above all these, what are you to do? Put on love. Enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. The scripture lets us know how we are to love one another. He lets us know how we're to clothe ourselves in the love of God. He lets us know that it's our responsibility. I've given you the fruit. Now you produce it. You clothe yourself in it. You put it on in whatever circumstance comes your way. Say, all right, I've got the love of God. I know this, I know that, I know what they're saying, I know what they've done, but I've got love. But I've got love, right? And I'm going to put it on, and I'm going to pardon their mess. I'm going to pardon it. Hallelujah. That don't mean I'm going to be their best friend. That don't mean I'm even going to engage with them, but that is going to be pardoned. And if I ever speak to him again, I'll have no ought in my heart. Because he actually tells us in Mark 11, 23 through 25, that if we have any ought against anyone, anyone, we ought to go to them before we even think we're going to come up to this altar and pray and ask him for anything. He lets us know how we are to walk in love. And it's not natural. It don't come natural. But it will come naturally supernatural. But you got to be tapped into the supernatural. Hallelujah. So the next thing we recognize is that obviously our motive has to be pure. We have to be the ones responsible to clothe ourselves every day in the love of God. But you see here in that last uh, statement that was made in verse 14, it said this, and above all of these, put on love, enfold yourselves. You know, when I hear the word enfold, I'm thinking of baking. You know how you, it tells you to fold this in, right? Enfold yourself. So this is the picture that I got with baking, with certain items. You're, you're to fold it in. You're not mixing it in, right? You're not taking a blender and da-da-da-da-da. No, you're taking that spoon or that spatula and you're slowly just folding it in just folding it in and letting it take its time to wear what? Then it's all mixed in gently and evenly, right? It's gentle. It's even. Everything's perfect. Why is this? Because when we fold in love, this is a process. It's a slower process. Is what I'm saying. We're not just going to get the mixer and the beaters and just and be done in three seconds. 
right? And we're not going to get the whisk and be done. No, enfolding is a process. A process of allowing love to just wrap itself within you and whatever situation or circumstances you're going in. You're just going to slowly let the process happen and work it in. And work it in those areas in your heart that you're dealing with. You see what I'm saying? But then if you go on further, it says, which binds everything together. So this enfolding, what is it saying? It, it, it's a bond of perfection, right? And it's binding everything together completely in ideal harmony. Because I'm going to tell you what, God wants harmony among his people. He does not want strife. He does not want division. He does not want God. He doesn't want any that of, of that among his people. He wants harmony. What is another word we use? Unity. Unity. He wants unity among the body of Christ, among the church of God. He wants unity. And not only that, he wants, this is the second point, unity and reconciliation must be Part of the motivation of why we are walking in love, that we are going to guard the body of Christ. We are going to bring unity and harmony and reconciliation among the body of Christ. It is a shame when people try to tear down other people in the body of Christ. It's terrible. Terrible. It's a terrible thing. He said he actually hates those that bring what? Discord. Because he wants unity and harmony. He doesn't want discord sown. He hates it. Okay? What does that mean to bring to have a motive to bring unity and reconciliation? In the body of Christ, another way we want to say it is we should be protecting and guarding the body of Christ. I don't ever want to bring disdain upon the body of Christ. I don't ever want to be somebody that would rip down the body of Christ. When I hear things that are said on Facebook and Instagram about churches or other pastors, I mean, I don't care if they were the, the, the most messed up pastor on the face of the planet. You have no right to make a comment concerning him as a true believer because you are causing discord in the body of Christ. I would want to love and protect. Doesn't mean I agree with, doesn't mean that he was right, but I would never slander a person or even give my opinion or talk to anyone in a public forum to bring discord to the body of Christ or to bring slander among the body of Christ. There's enough mess going on without the people that are supposed to be Christians. Even 
uh, ministers that fight one another and, and, and talk about one another. I mean, there's a whole situation I could talk about right here around our own, you know, sphere. I'm not going to say where. But it's a huge ministry that, you know, that something happened. And instead of just letting it play out, it's like they have to get up and defend themselves and, you know, all these other things. You know what? You don't have to defend your character. God will avenge. Because it brings more damage to the body of Christ when they see all of this publicly unfolding. And this back and forth. Oh, the board did me wrong. So I'm going to go and I'm going to pick up and do, an, and do it all on everything. And show all the legal paperwork and uh, for everybody to read. You don't have to vindicate yourself. No matter what has happened. Because that is bringing more damage to the body of Christ than anything else. You're not covering. You're not protecting. No matter what happens. Our motive should be, I'm going to protect the body of Christ at all cost. Right? It's so important that we recognize that. That he hates that. He hates discord. And, and to say anything publicly about another member in the body of Christ, no matter who they are, publicly is wrong. Because you're not covering and you're not protecting. And half of us have no clue what's really going on. And it's just an opinion. Right? So this should be our motive. That we're going to protect. We're going to cover at all costs. And let God render what needs to be rendered. Right? Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 says this. Living as becomes you... With complete lowliness of mind, humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the spirit and binding the power of peace. So we ought to be guarding and protecting right one another and that should be the thing that drives us in whatever it is that we encounter how can i make sure that i'm going to bring unity to this situation reconciliation to this re situation and it's not my business to let anybody else know what's going on right because love is going to cover, it's going to protect. That don't mean, as again, that I agree or disagree. It just means no, it's nobody else's business. Because what happens is, is if, if reconciliation comes, forgiveness is applied, and now we all go on with our life. But if you go around talking to people about it, you've sown a bad, sour seed of something about somebody and 
you may have forgiven them, God may have forgiven them, but now that seed is sown into somebody else and they may not be able to forgive them. So you've actually became a stumbling block to someone else because now they're stumbling over what they found out about somebody because you didn't love, you didn't guard, and you didn't protect. The unity of uh, the harmony of oneness by the Spirit because he goes on to talk about we are one. We are the body of Christ. We are all a part of him. We are all one. We are all jointed and fitted together as the body of Christ. That's where he says, if one hurts, you ought to hurt. So you shouldn't be going around talking to everybody about this person hurting. Right? But why? Because we feel of one another. We are of God. We are one. We are one body. We are one spirit in the body of Christ, and we ought to guard that. Philippians 2, 2 through 3 says this, Fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind. Here it is. The same mind. What is that? The mind of Christ. How he thinks. And he thinks unity and he thinks harmony. So being of the same mind, one purpose, having the same love. This is not the way you define how you are to love by, the, by God. No, this is defined by his love and how he says through scripture we are to love and what we ought to do, right? So one purpose, having the same love being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. You see that? And then he goes on to say, do nothing from factual motives through uh, contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, loneliness of mind, Let each regard the other as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of of one another than you do of yourselves. So we ought to think more importantly about how this is going to affect the other person than my own self. Meaning, I don't care what they say, it doesn't give me a right to go out and just Because I care more about them than what they're demonstrating they care about me at the moment. Because if their motive was truly God's love, it was of a pure heart, then they would have the same mind as him. But it's obvious that they don't because of the things they say. You see what I'm saying? So it's very important that we recognize that And that goes back to the the scripture, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Isn't that? Goes right back to that. If you don't want your business thrown out there for everybody, then guess what? See? So what? We know that's the principle of sowing and reaping. Right? 1 Peter 4 and 8 says this, above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. I ought to be so intense 
and an unfailing love towards one another. Wow. It's not have an intense, unfailing love towards him. But how about an intense and unfailing love towards you? And you, and you, and you, and one another, right? Not towards him, but towards one another. For love covers a multitude of sin, forgives, disregards the offenses of others. Now, let me say this. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love can only be applied if repentance happens. This is not a cop-out. Well, they did this to me, and now there's no accountability for beating me as, you know, say a husband beat a wife. Well, love covers a multitude of sin, so I forgive him so he can just keep on beating me. No. Because love can only be applied if forgiveness has been released. And repentance. Repentance. Right? So, it's not a cop-out. It's not a cover-up. We don't sweep things under the rug, so to speak. We don't just sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. No. Love... His love covers through repentance. Amen. Hallelujah. So it forgives. It lets the offenses go, right, after there's been repentance. Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up contentions, but love covers all transgressions. See that? So we're here to make sure that we are motivated to at all times apply the love of God. I always like to say this, that bracelet, what would Jesus do? We need to be saying, what would love do? Which we know he is love. But what would love do in every situation, right? What would he do? So this is so important because I believe that for us to walk in the fullness of what God needs to do in these last days, that people are going to see a purity of God's love like never before. They're going to have to see because you can see the counterfeit of love and what love is being talked about today, which is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you do, who you love, you, you know. You, who, you can be whoever you want to be, all of those things. And so the counterfeit of that is they've got to see pure love. And where are they going to see it? Among the brethren. Among the brethren. True love, the love of God. What are we saying? John 13, 35 says this. I'm reading this one out of the New Living Translation. It says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another is going to prove to the world that you're truly my disciples. 
So they've got to see the unadulterated, the pure love of God, the agape love of God flowing and operating among the brethren, among disciples, so that we can be the counterfeit to what's being spoken today. We need to see the proof is in the pudding. And the bottom line is you can see the result of love actually working and flowing and operating in people's lives, and they need to see it. They need to see it. Demonstrated. All right? Uh, Let me read verse 34 through 35 of John 13. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen. Not how much you come to church and say you love God. Pastors said that, right? It's not, you know, how much you serve in the children's ministry, yet you talk about the other person serving. Right? Come on. So, in talking about the love of God, the next point is is that the word love, and as we see it through Scripture, and I want to read First uh, Corinthians thirteen now. Let me find that one. First Corinthians thirteen one through eight says this. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. You're just making a lot of noise, and it's very obvious. Very obvious. A clanging, noisy gong is very obvious. It's not in harmony with the rest of the band, so to speak. Right? It's very obvious. So you can tell. And it says this in verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love. I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor. Oh I'm feeding those poor down at dining with dignity all the time. But yet coming in you know acting a fool every other time. No. If I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is what love looks like and operates, how it operates in an individual's life. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It's not jealous. Most of the time... One of the, you know, prevalent things in people's lives is they just are jealous of somebody else's even walk in Christ. Come on. Because they're actually winning and they're actually having victory in their life. And then they get jealous and they just want to tear that person down to make them look better in themselves. Right? So he said it does not brag, it's not arrogant, does not act unbecoming, 
It does not seek its own, which is meaning it's not about me. I'm not being selfish here. It's not provoked. It means you don't provoke someone to not walk in love or to not bring unity or to not bring reconciliation. You don't provoke them. You should be bringing peace in the situation. Um, does not take into account of suffered wrong. This is the big one. This is the big one. Do you know what they've done to me? Do you know how many times they've done this? Well, 70 times 7 is what I hear the scripture says. Right? Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, um, endures all things. Love never fails. Hallelujah. Love never fails. His love will never fail when you choose to apply it to your life because that's why another reason Brother Hagen said love is the way to victory because you can never fail when you apply his love in every situation. You will have victory. You will have victory in that situation when you choose to apply the love of God according to what the way he says it is to be applied to your life and to others. Amen? So it's very important that we recognize and looking at love, I've said this, love is a verb. There used to be old, was it DC Talk or I've said this before, Audio Adrenaline, one of them. Love is a verb. Love is a verb. It is an action word. So there is always action behind you operating in love and working love in your life. It, there is action behind it. It's not just talking about, oh, I love them, but there's no action behind it. Anything God does, he always follows through with it. There's always action behind love. 1 John 3.14 says this. It says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer and know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this... We know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to, what, lay down our lives for our brethren. And I said this last week as we were quoting this scripture, that that means we're going to sacrifice the way we feel in the situation. We're going to sacrifice how it feels to us, what they've done to us. We're going to sacrifice it on love. On the altar of love. I'm going to sacrifice it right there. I'm going to lay it down. And I'm going to pick up his love and say, yeah, they did this to me. But the love of God is going to let me now, what, forgive them? Do whatever I need to do in the situation to promote unity, harmony, and be the bond of peace. No matter what happened. So we're going to sacrifice the way I feel because God's love is not selfish. 
It is selfless. It's not about us. But how many people still? You know what they did to me? Da -da 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 -da. Everybody has a story. And really, that's victim mentality. You're still a victim and not a victor. So he says this, um, and nobody's, I, I, I'm not getting a happy story. Maybe we'll laugh before it's over. <laughs> it says, and we also ought to lay down our lives for a brother. Verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and see his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, this is agape, the word agape, love, in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. Action. In deed and truth. Why is that? What does the word say is the action that needs to take place for this situation? And he said, he said, don't just love in word or in just saying, but in deed and truth. Okay? And by this, we know that we are of the truth. Oh. By what? By the deed. We know that we're in the truth. Because we're actually going to do what we know the word says to do. So we're applying truth to our life. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts do not condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So when we don't walk in love, we are not pleasing to the Father. We are not pleasing to him. I don't care what song you sing that says you're, he's, you're all, he's always pleased with you. And that he's never against you. Actually, he says he's against the proud in New Testament. And the proud is those who want to do it their way instead of God's way. He resists the proud. So... Verse 23, it says, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us a commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Amen. So this has to be applied in not just word, but in action and deeds. Second John 1, 5 through 6 says this, And now I beg you, lady, lady, lady who? Don't know how to pronounce her name. Not as if I were issuing a new charge, injunction, or command, but simply recalling to your mind the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is all I'm doing is simply recalling to you what his scripture actually says love looks like. 
and how we are to apply it to our life. It says, the one who you heard from the beginning, that we love one another, and what this love consists in is this, that we live and walk in accordance with and are guided by his commandments, his orders, his ordinances, his precepts and teaching. This is the commandment as you have heard from the beginning that you continue to walk in love, guided by it and following it. One translation says pursuing it. We should be pursuing love along this journey, being motivated only to be a demonstration of truly how to apply the love of God in our lives, in our situations, in our circumstances that are coming up every day. But the only way that's going to happen is by the Spirit and the Word. Us abiding in the Word and us being led by the Spirit. Amen. And us not just talking about it, hearing it, but actually doing it. Actually doing it. Actually applying the love of God. Amen? Now, let's look at what Luke, the New Testament, shows us concerning a situation here that he says what love looks like. Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to read basically just four scriptures, but it's going to be in context from verses 27 to 35. Okay, so Luke 6, 27 says this, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. See what I'm saying? It doesn't just come natural. That's not our first natural response. But this is how the kingdom works operates this is the royal law amen this is how we are to love we are to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us there have been many people that have done us wrong and one way we do good to them is send them some money because money talks doesn't it? Money talks. Just do good to them. Right? Did you want to? In the natural? No. But do you do it? Yes, as the Holy Spirit leads and guides you. Right? Somebody might do you wrong. What about your neighbor that called, called you in from your HOA? about your whatever, you know, your grass being one inch above the normal protocol or whatever. And you know that neighbor. You know who it is. And you want to go over there and say, what's your problem? But instead, go bake some cookies and take it to them. Being nice goes a long way. 
Being nice goes a long way, no matter what they do to you. Just being nice. I'm just not going to let them get up underneath my skin. Right? Just be nice. Just go do something. The unexpectedly. Go over there and ask them, hey, I know you called in to the HOA about my grass, so I'm out here mowing my grass. Can I mow yours too? Right? Boy, that'd really get them. Hallelujah. Just being nice. Just thought I would do unto my neighbor as I do unto myself. Right? Luke 6, 32. If you love those who love you, this is the point. If you love those who love you and tell you how awesome you are and you can't ever take a critic, whoo, you got problems. Big ones. You're a people pleaser. And you need their attention and affirmation. So if you love those who love you, what credit is to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And then verse 35, it says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Wow. Wow. You know how... He's so kind to ungrateful and evil men because he still sent his son to redeem, to redeem. Hallelujah. So the next point is, is if we're going to walk in the God kind of love the way the Bible says, we are going to have to not take our own revenge. I tapped into a little bit that earlier but we don't have to defend ourselves and we don't have to take revenge. No matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter what comes our way, whatever the situation is, you don't have to be one trying to defend yourself if you know your heart doesn't condemn you and your motives have been pure, right? So this is Old, Co uh, Old Covenant in the Old Testament. Leviticus 19.18 says this. You shall not take revenge or bear any grudge against the sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You should not have a grudge. You don't have a right as a child of God to have a grudge against anyone. But I know there's some grudges. You don't have a right to hold that grudge. You are to apply the love of God the way that God says we are to apply it and let it go. And let it go. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says this. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, loathe all ungodliness, turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affections as members of one family, giving uh, precedence and showing honor to one another. Bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude towards you. 
Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing in others' joy. Weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself. Make an adjustment. Make an adjustment. Adjust yourself to people, things, and give yourselves to humble tasks. And never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. That is bringing peace, harmony, and reconciliation to the body of Christ. We are going to make sure that we aim and are above reproach righteous in these situations. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone doesn't matter what anybody's done. You can be at peace. If your heart is pure, you've forgiven, you've let things go, you can be at perfect peace, knowing that you've applied the love of God the way that he's shown you to do, no matter how other individuals are reacting or responding or what they continue to do. Amen. Beloved, here it is. Never avenge yourselves. But leave the way open. This is very important because if you try to avenge yourself, defend yourself, all these other things, you're just going to continue to make a mess of the situation. Instead of leaving room and a way open for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you don't allow God to avenge you and you try to bring your own defense and vengeance, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to be overcome with the evil. You're going to be playing right in the devil's territory. That's the trap that he wants set for you to get you out of love instead of trusting him and doing it his way. But he'll have you in a trap then because the very thing is going to come back upon you, that evil. So we must recognize that. The next thing is, is we must forgive. We must forgive. We must have in our hearts that when things and situations take place, the first thing we think of is, I forgive them. I forgive them. If God forgave them, I can forgive them. Right? If he put his love in me, I can forgive them. I can let it go. I can just let it just roll right off my back like a duck in the water. Right? Just let it roll off. Nothing has to stick on you. 
No matter what has ever happened to you your whole entire life, no matter who's done you wrong, no matter what happened to you in your life, no matter who's disappointed you, no matter who's talked about, about you, no matter what has ever happened in your life, you can forgive. You can forgive. You must forgive. You must forgive. Or you will be trapped in that Forever as a victim to the enemy and never walk in the fullness of what God has for you. It will never. It will destroy your life. Unforgiveness will destroy your life. So we must be people that forgive. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says there's, Therefore be imitators of God. Copy Him. Follow His example. As well, beloved children, imitate their Father. And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a slain offering and sacrifice to God for you so that you became a sweet fragrance to the Father. We have to imitate him in the way that he was able to forgive. And the way he said his scripture forgives people. Right? Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off, disregard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life. And becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring forth from delusion. And constantly be renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Put on the new nature, the regenerated self, created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness, therefore rejecting all falsity and being done now with it. Let everyone express the truth with his neighbor. For we are all parts of one body and members of one another. When angry, do not sit in sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your fury, indignation last until the sun goes down. We must be quick to forgive. Before the end of the night, it ought to be settled and resolved. And forgiveness must be applied. Forgiveness must be applied. When, okay, where am I at? Leave no such room. Why? Because if you let unforgiveness, you keep that sin a part of your life, what does he let you know? You're going to open a door. You're going to leave room for the devil. It says, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. If you don't choose to forgive, if you stay in anger, if you stay in sin about a situation, listen, you are only given a foothold for the enemy to continue to beat you down. And that's what he does. He beats you down. Get that image. He beats you. You do become the devil's whipping boy or girl. He's whipping you all the time. In everything. Because you 
let him have the opportunity because you didn't deal with your anger. Let the thief still know more. He's letting you know. That's why things keep getting, everything just keeps getting st stole from you. Your joy, come on. Your peace, everything. Your finances, everything. Your health gets, gets stole from you because he's got a foothold. Hallelujah. But rather let him be endurious, industrious, making an honest living with his own hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. Let no foul or polluting language, meaning you don't have a right to cuss somebody out when you get angry as a believer. Using foul, polluted, you know, I had to always bring this scripture to teenagers because they oh, it does say not to cuss in the Bible yes it does right foul polluting language that's what that is nor evil word nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth wow worthless talk Man, there's so much worthless talk flying everywhere today. Worthless. So he goes on to say, But only such speech as is to good and beneficial to the spiritual progress as of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. Again, here's the connection. Make the connection. It's embedded right in between. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When you do these actions, you are grieving the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You're grieving the Spirit when you're doing all of these actions. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden Him. Did you know that the Holy Spirit could be offended? Yes, and it had to do right off coming of a polluted mouth. By whom you were sealed, Mark branded as God's own secured for the day of redemption, a final deliverance through Christ from the evil and consequences of sin. Let all, here it is, bitterness, indignation, and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or uh, baseness of any kind, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted. Here it is, forgiving one another readily and freely. That means you're ready to forgive in the midst of these situations. Is that your motive of your heart? That in every situation, blow-up, argument, circumstance, that anger or whatever could be a part of that is your 
motive, I'm, I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready and freely to forgive as God in Christ. What forgave you? Is that our motive? That is a pure heart of someone who wants to actually walk out every day applying God's love according to what Scripture says how we are to apply it. Not to holding our opinion about how God is okay with me even if I am acting like this. Or even if I'm in this situation. Our number one goal as a believer with the love of God put in our heart is that we ought to be pressing towards forgiveness, reconciliation, um, doing whatever it takes to bring harmony, to bring peace in those scenarios that we encounter with our spouses, with, with our co-workers, with especially the body of Christ. This ought to not even be a problem in the household of God. It ought to not even be a problem. We ought to be loving each other so well and only encountering these issues when we are encountering the world. We ought to be people that are so full because we've stayed in a place of allowing the fruit of the love of God to just grow so much within our hearts that actually where we said today, the depths and the lengths and the heights of his love is so a part of my being that it is only naturally supernatural for me to respond in love. Is that our first response? That we're going to walk in love. We're going to, whatever it takes, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to be concerned about how this made me feel and all these other things. No, my first response is I really don't care how I feel. I'm just going to walk in love. And you know you can get there. You can live in that. That's what I call living in the overflow of his love. Living in the overflow of how he tells us we ought to be living and walking and abiding and operating every day in our life. Amen? Hallelujah. Because love never fails. And if we choose to actually walk according to scripture and applying the word of God in our lives, you can be assured that you will have victory you will walk in victory and and i'm going to tell you he will prove there will be proof in the pudding that you walk in love people won't have to guess they won't have to guess whether or not when you encountered a situation how you responded they'll know how you responded they'll know it because they'll see the evidence of your life unfolding before their eyes that in every circumstance, in every situation, you just apply love, you forgive, you, no matter what. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's that be, let that be our desire, our intense desire. Amen? That we look at what God says love is and then every, from here on out, 
when we encounter a situation, we're going to think back to how he says love should be operating and flowing in the situation. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.